1: Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. Austin Linney here. Uh, we've got my good friend. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say ahead of time, guys, I can't promise that he will behave. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Mr. Ryan Breedwell, how are you doing, my brother? Hey, guys. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, man. Just uh, busy working. Um, market's been volatile, so that keeps me busy. Um, apologies in advance if my dogs bark, I'm at home as you can tell um, and I got one little guy right here and I got the old man right over there. So apologies in advance if they try to protect me from any closed doors or uh, leaf blowers.
1: So Doing guys, good. so guys, Ryan is a financial advisor uh, with a firm that he runs. He also does whole life insurance bonds. We're gonna get into all those options that are available uh, for real estate investors, for investors as a whole. Um, guys, he's one of the smartest guys. I know I would say that everybody that I'm associated with probably has their money with him. So, um, this didn't happen overnight. So kind of, why don't you tell us how you got started in, in, in college and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So I, my alma mater, which I love to say now, cause I used to say that about my dad, but my alma mater is uh, Sonoma state. I didn't go to crazy fancy school. I just went to Sonoma state, uh, went through the business program there. I uh, graduated in 2015. Uh, my father founded the firm that I now work at and am the vice president at in two, uh, about 31 years ago. So he's been in the industry for quite some time and I grew up around um, a financial advisor. So that's kind of my upbringing. I was I was not necessarily glean, but growing up around a financial advisor, you get a little financially savvy. Um, I'm a fiduciary. i um, investment advisor only, so not a Broker, which is a big difference. Uh, we don't charge commissions. We're obligated to do what's in your best interest. Uh, a lot of you real estate people will understand the fiduciary obligation. If you've done a real estate transaction as a realtor, you're obligated to do what's in your client's best interest, not in the seller or the other party's best interest. So that's kind of the same thing as far as uh, how I work. Uh, we have uh, over a billion dollars in assets under management, uh, thousands of clients around the United States. And we specialize, or at least I focus on specializing and working with real estate investors, because a lot of y'all need a financial advisor, but most advisors kind of don't understand what you all are wanting to do. You know, you want to take your money deployed into real estate, and it generates a cash flow. And I am 100% behind that because most of my clients are high net worth or ultra high net worth individuals, and they all have real estate. And they use their real estate money and then do traditional stuff that doesn't really uh, impress them. And I tell them how they can use those accounts to buy more real estate. So we kind of have a really good symbiotic relationship. And that's how I've come to work with so many real estate investors like yourself. Um, Matt Aitchison is a client of mine as well and a buddy. And we do a podcast together. as well as lots of other people um, and it's been cool because I get to meet a lot of cool people too. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say real estate investors are some of the most creative uh, entrepreneurs you ever run into.
1: Yeah, and guys, their podcast on Wealth Building Wednesdays uh, on Millionaire Mindcast is, is amazing for market updates and kind of just financial information all together, so definitely check that out. Um, you know, you started with your dad's company when you were younger, you know, he built a great foundation you've definitely exploded it from there um, and you know you 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 do have a lot of capital that you handle from a from a day-to-day basis and mm-hmm. I would imagine that you know we 2008 and where we're at with corona and stuff like that I, I find you to be a calming uh, space in, in the middle of a storm. And, and so is that what you try to portray to your clients that, 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 this is a long-term play, not a short-term fix?
2: Yeah. All the stuff that we do, it's pretty, you know, when we work with people, it's pretty black and white in what we're doing. You know, there's things that you do for short-term, there's things that you do for midterm and there's things that you do for long-term. And obviously long-term stuff is going to be stuff that you have to understand. You may be more aggressive with than stuff that's more short term because you're going to need to use those dollars. The time horizon will lend how we use the dollars. Um, What we don't do with our clients is we don't sell performance. So I don't tell people, you know, hey, we're going to get you a 24% return every single year and this and this and this. We do the opposite. We actually inform them how much risk we're taking. So we sell risk. So what we inform clients is, hey, based on what you're trying to do, this is the amount of risk we're taking and this is the worst case scenario. Could you handle that with your money? Because what ends up happening is if you tell somebody you're going to make them a 10% return and then you make them 9%, be it 9 is a good rate of return in this example, they're going to be pissed off at you because you you've you under, undersold them, um, you over-promised, under-delivered. So we don't really focus on that. What we do is we focus on how much risk a client is willing to take, and that's going to directly correlate how much their return will be. Uh, As with most things, more risk, there should be more reward expected. And the more risk that you take, the closer and riskier you get to be at the market, the S&P 500, you should expect returns at that level or higher. So that's how we work. And because of that, we don't really have people that when the market goes down, our clients don't react in a normal fashion that a lot of people are accustomed to. Their phones, they don't call us a ton, they don't blow us up. We get a couple emails just checking in hey, one of the, you know, I've seen the coronavirus on so the account go down a little bit. Are we okay? And they're just re- they want to know and reassure with us that hey, are we within our risk parameters? Are we doing what we designed the accounts to do? And the way we help them understand that is we actually put a number on their portfolio that correlates with the percentage of risk that they're taking. And -hmm. the clients get weekly reports. And so they can see how much of a loss they've taken versus how much of a gain they've gotten. And if they go below that number, they know that we're probably there's something going on because we're not doing what we told them to do. But if we stay above that risk number, it doesn't matter what return we get. We know how much risk we're taking in order to get that return. So that's a very big difference uh, from us for for one thing. Um, And then we do a ton of um, insurance planning, infinite banking, um, premium financing is another thing that's not so common that I do as well. And what that helps real estate investors do is take some cash, put it away in an account that can be used for long term and earmarked for long term, but has some short term and midterm flexibility to be used to buy real estate, to get into investments, to become a lender yourself. But instead of using other people's money and leveraging their money, leveraging your own money and making a rate of return on it while using it. So that's yeah. also another concept that we, I very much am about and I work with a lot of people on
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that. What I find alarming, and maybe I'm just a little more self-aware than most, is that I didn't go to school for finances. I didn't, I wasn't a stockbroker. And I find it hilarious to me that my friends who are type A personalities, control freaks, let's call them what you will, (laughs) that they decide that like, man, I'm really good at investing in real estate and and then I'm gonna go play on Robinhood, right? And then they're gonna go Mm -hmm. lose 40 grand. Super common. Yeah, super common. And I I saw it twice in the last three months. But as a, and we'll just talk to them for now, real estate investors, younger guys. You do, and I know you preach this, you do have to be diversified as an investor in order to maximize the return so you can really set yourself up and, and construct the life that you're looking for, right?
2: Yeah, you can throw darts at a board and you're going to eventually hit a balloon. But if you're just aimlessly throwing your money at things, hoping for a return, I don't call that a financial plan. I just call that an investment. And what I would talk to those people about, I said, do you just go arbitrarily buy a house because it looks like a good deal? No. You're going to go look at the ARV. You're going to walk the property. You're going to look at the neighborhood. You're going to comp it out. You're going to do some due diligence before you just go ahead and hawk some cash at it. Because as much as uh, the one thing that I always, sorry, I got a little thing popping in there. Uh, one thing that a lot of real estate investors don't like to swallow, the pill they don't like to swallow, is that if you hold a balance sheet, all the stuff that I do, it's always going to fall on the uh, equity side. It's not a liability. Real estate, no matter how good of a real estate investment it is, it could be paying you a million dollars a second. It's always going to fall as a liability. And that was, that's reared its ugly head over the past couple of weeks. So not only do you need to be diversified in your real estate holdings, the type of real estate holdings you have, that also translates over to almost any other type of investment. Traditional stuff like me, like being in the stock market, what are we holding? Are we holding just a bunch of technology? So what I've seen is a lot of guys, they'll buy weed stocks or they'll buy a hundred percent of their money into uh, uh, like American airlines or uh, I was dealing with a guy yesterday and he sends me his portfolio and he's like, how am I doing? And he had no idea he had taken out a $24,000 loan. Thank God the loan was in a positive margin at that time. But I had to educate him. I said, if this goes negative, they're going to start asking for about six grand a month. And he was like, holy cow, I need to sell this off right now. I had no idea I was doing that. So the the thing that you you don't know what you don't know, and I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that I know more about real estate than you guys because you guys have boots on the ground and are are in the houses and I walk those houses with people I I understand them enough to be dangerous I own some real estate myself but I always know that you, you know my real estate investors are savvy at what they're doing they rely on me to be the voice of reason on what to do with their money outside of the area of understanding and I think the biggest thing that you're touching on that a lot of real estate investors make is they get so in uh in a habitual mode of throwing what you know that they're scared let's just say for what it is they're scared to step outside of their comfort zone when they had to step outside of their comfort zone to get into the growth zone they're in right now and it's almost like they don't want to compound that they're afraid Mm -hmm. of what's next Mm -hmm. and there's like a i know there's a like a picture online that i've seen of like this miner and he's dug all these holes and he he Mm -hmm. gives up right at the end and he's right about to hit Mm -hmm. his diamond Mm -hmm. and it's almost like that's where you're holding yourself you could When you're in the growth zone, it's supposed to be uncomfortable and you could take that next step and say, I'm going to hang my hat and find somebody that I can trust. Like you've, like I've done with my real estate deals. I have a construction team I can work with. I have lenders. I know I have a title company that I know I can rock with. And then you have to, you have to put your money elsewhere. Cause something that I know none of you guys have really looked in the mirror and asked yourself is, do you really want to be a landlord for your entire life? I know the answer. The answer is no. But I do know that if you could, I I do know you want your money working for you as hard as you can. And diversifying your money into other areas is how you do that. Real estate will always make you the most money short term. I'm not here to argue that at all. But the stock market and diversifying into an investment portfolio will always make you more money long term. And we have statistics to prove that. So that's why having them both, they complement each other and there's sympathy. So that's why I'm a believer definitely in having real estate. But you can't just have real estate and and make it work. Just like I, I'm not, I I know you can't just have investments and make it work as as good as if you had real estate to complement it. So they they definitely work really well together. Just a lot of people are scared to take the additional step because it's not something they understand.
1: And and That's the fair. great and the great thing is you don't have to. And I think for me, I think I think what 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 frustrates me as I as I get older that I didn't really, you know, obviously meeting you and spending time in Tahoe and around you, like I've learned a lot about money and how it moves and stuff, but it wasn't until I got the private equity job that what I realized is two things. One, you got to understand how money moves, how it's borrowed, how it's used. I think it's a powerful tool. But the second thing is there's something to be said to be surrounded in the proximity of money markets, because that's where the players play I mean it's just it's the truth of the matter when you're talking about 40 million 50 million dollar deals you may not close that deal you may not be a part of that deal but you're associating yourself with those people and I think that's the rooms that you want to be in overall
2: I, I couldn't I got nothing more to add to that but just an amen uh, if you, you guilty by association is a real thing on a, on the negative side of the street and also on the positive side if you surround yourself by successful positive people, generally speaking, that's how you're going to act and how you're going to be Mm -hmm. and this vice versa. And so
1: um, we'll get into it now because this is what I'm doing. I know it's what a lot of people are doing. And when I heard it for the first time, I was like, holy shit, that's really great. So let's talk about, walk us through any real estate investor that's not doing this, you can't be my infinite friend. Infinite banking. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. But but you should be doing this. So walk yeah, infinite banking.
2: Okay. So infinite banking has been around for quite some time, and there's a couple different ways to do it. I'm fully independent. I don't just work for one insurance company. i I can just I can sell whoever I want. So we shop for you. But um the idea is overfunding an insurance policy. And then using that money, that cash value in that insurance policy, leveraging it tax-free to buy real estate. And what makes an insurance policy unique, and that's a specific type of insurance policy, normally they're LERPs, life insurance, retirement plans. They, When you take the assets out of them, the insurance company will still allow the money to grow unabated by the withdrawal. And so I'll give you a dollar example for that. If we have a regular investment account, let's call it a 401k, and let's act like we took $50,000 out of it, and we had $100,000 starting balance. So I have my $100,000 here, I take my $50,000 out, and I have my $50,000 in this hand. So $50,000 is still invested, $50,000 is uh, paying a loan, I I got it tax-free as a loan, I got to pay myself back. Um, But if there's any market growth, it's only credited to the money that's left in that account. Because since I took this money out and I'm using it, I not only have to pay myself back normally over five to six years at six to 8%, but I need to use this money and and make a return on it so that it made sense for me to take that loan out of my 401k in this example. Any market growth that, let's say there was a 10% return, I would make 10% on 50 grand. I would have $55,000 to show for it. And if I'm a good real estate investor, a cash flowing real estate policy, excuse me, uh, property. If we do that same scenario with the same withdrawal, the same starting balance, and the same return, when I take that $50,000 out, the insurance company is still going to act like there's $100,000 in my policy. So any market growth is going to get credited to the full $100,000. Above and beyond that, I'll have two options on a loan because they give you a flexibility on what type of loan you want to take. Do you want to take a WASH loan, which is technically called a net zero cost loan, so it has no interest cost, but it's a loan in the IRS's eyes, so it's tax-free? Or do I want to take a participating loan where I want an option to uh, earn a positive arbitrage on top of my loan spread? The insurance company will charge you, the current rate's 3.5%. When you take the loan at three and a half percent you're essentially gambling with the insurance company do I think the market is going to return more than three and a half percent over a 12 month period and let's use our 10 percent uh, rate of return since that's what we did in the prior example I'd make ten thousand dollars in my insurance policy on my hundred hundred grand even though I took fifty thousand dollars out and that fifty thousand dollars I took out at a three and a half percent loan rate I would take ten minus three and a half and which is six and a half percent, I would get a six and a half percent rate of return credited to that fifty thousand dollars on top of my ten thousand, uh my ten percent return to the hundred grand. I've also then bought a piece of real estate and that is cash flowing for me. So not only did my dollar work for me on buying me an investment property tax-free, but I had two streams of return off of one dollar, all with no market risk, all tax-free. I can either put that money back into the policy or I can just rinse and repeat and let it reset and do it all over again. Most of my clients, when they take the money out of the policy, they'll leave it out for quite some time and they'll deploy the capital over eight to 13 months and then put it back in. Um, The benefit of doing so is there's no taxes. You're not paying interest to some other institution. There's no origination fee. There's no points. There's none of that. It's your money working for you while you use it. And then you get to be the, the, the uh, boss on whether you want to take an additional risk and have an option to earn money on your loan, like it's a negative interest rate. So it's a really powerful tool when used properly. And um, a lot of my clients use it to buy apartment buildings, multifamily deals, uh, become a lender to other people. Like they, they, let, they, they can conversely loan the money out and they can be the bank. And then they can make all that interest and then they can charge somebody 14, 15% on their on their loan if they want to do that. So there's a lot of flexibility on how to use the policy. And the one thing that is uh, breezed over is people just hear the word life insurance and so they say, no, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do. And as long as you structure it properly and it's done by somebody that knows what they're doing, does a lot of it, it can be a really powerful tool when used for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and rewind that guys and listen to that again, because that's ridiculous. And something that you have to understand, these are just these are just extra options for you to use money that works for you, that you're in control of. But more importantly, and I think is the most important thing, is when you sit and tell me, and I, I do this, this is the first question I ask when I'm talking to somebody about this, is you may think you have no cash to do real estate, but you already might have a policy that you've been funding for 10 years that can be converted over, guys, and that you could have access to capital right away. So it's not yeah. until you get Ryan on the phone and ask him and say, and he's happy to do a free consultation and say, like, hey, this is where you're at. He's not searching for your business. He doesn't care. And like, you have to turn over every stone in order to truly. Exhaust. If your if your dreams and your goals are to be financially free and on a beach somewhere or hanging out with your kids at a soccer game, you have to look at every option on the table. And like you said, you only don't know because you don't know. But that's why you employ or get on the phone with people that do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And. The, the best thing is a lot of, there's a lot of other guys that coin themselves as a guru in this space. And it's, you know, it's hard whenever you get a commissionable product, it's hard to find somebody to trust to do the, the work for you. But the thing like you were mentioning is I will do all the heavy lifting. I just need a little bit of information from the individuals. I send all the information. Lenny is my witness for going through this process before we've grown in our friendship and relationship to now. I gave him all the information up front. I gave, I let him make all the decisions with full disclosure on everything. He looked at everything. He asked his questions. And then once we decided on what an appropriate uh, amount to fund was, we decided to, to set everything up. There's no pressure. But the thing, like mm-hmm. he was saying, is you, uh, I say you don't know what you don't know. His way of saying it, you, don't, you, know, you have to uh, uh, turn over every stone to make sure you're finding everything that you're looking for. You, you need to explore every route because you could go years and years and years and be wanting something that is right there available for you and you just didn't take the time to ask because mm-hmm. you really have nothing, to, you have nothing to be afraid of. I am not a used car salesman. I'm not going to show up to your house. But I will give you all the information so you can make an informed decision. And if you choose not to do it, then you choose not to do it. But make the decision not to do it. Don't make the decision not to explore it.
1: And at the end of the day, you know, just thinking a lot about the podcast I just did with Burr and what we were harping on was I think the greatest tool in life is self awareness. And I think that as I go down the rabbit hole of real estate farther and farther, I realize that I want to get farther and farther away from it because <laughs> I really? like to travel and, and, and by having to babysit a flip or or so on. Like I, I, it's not really my thing. I do want to build. That's a different story. But as I go down the road and I'm doing it right now with one of my friends, I'm the bank and that intrigues me way more than worried about um, trying to make sure the contractor or the plumber showed up or or whatever. So like my financial goals are different from y'all's and in five years with Ryan, I'm going to be like, Hey, I just want to be the bank. You know, we'll have some assets that are cash flowing, obviously, but it's really about the lack of financial education. That's that's in the system that. I felt like I learned more from waiting tables and bartending on money and how it transactions and works than I ever did in school, college, or anything like that, and it truly is the reason that I think it starts from the beginning, and you know you look at these kids these days um and you know not everybody's an entrepreneur, but you it's the lack of understanding of I mean, as simple as like how Blackstone works, right? Nobody understands that. Even
2: simpler than that, how a credit card works.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until our mutual friend, Miss Mel, Mel, Mel Clark, yeah. Uh, yeah. told me, she's like, Austin, the people from the inner city don't even know how a fucking credit card works. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was like the holy shit moment to me. Like, they never heard of a trust. They never, the stock market, please. Like, yeah. So it's just about getting around the right people. You don't have to trust everybody, but you have to explore your options. And that's all we're saying. So if you're, let's just say we'll we'll create an avatar, right? We'll just create some fake person. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're 26, you got 100K in the bank and you got three properties, right? And you want to be, let's just say, what would your advice be to that person um, to diversify, you know, I think the problem with real estate investors—if I'm—if I—I'm I not getting in your business—but I would imagine the number one problem they're worried about is access to their capital.
2: Yeah, that's the that's. The... Yeah, they want liquidity. So with most of my real estate investors, we have eighty to ninety percent of our money going into non-qualified assets, so stuff that money can go in and come back out unabated, and maybe ten percent into qualified accounts that have a tax benefit but are long-term, meaning once you put the money in, you can't get the money out to age 59 and a half. Um, That's that's okay if you want liquidity. If you want liquidity, there's options for that. Let's say this person, is 26-year-old came to me like, I just had a 30-year-old come to me out of Florida, uh, making a couple hundred grand a year, hasn't set up anything, wants to do an infinite banking. He has a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Uh, So what are we going to do? We're doing a $100,000 annual life insurance policy for 10 years. We're going to lower the premiums after that down to uh, $40,000 a year. In year two or three, he's going to have enough money into that policy to start lending it out and buying more real estate deals. There goes my light. Sorry, guys. My battery died. Um, Once he does that, um, he's also going to set up a brokerage account He put about $25,000 into that and now he's putting an additional $3,000 a month into it knowing he can call my phone and I can wire in the funds whenever he wants. And then second to that, he's going to set up a solo 401k. That solo 401k is going to be for his long-term investments. He can make a corporate contribution and an individual contribution to help lower his tax liability and keep him inside the tax brackets that he needs to. So that his loans um, work the way he wants to, so that he doesn't go and pay taxes on money he doesn't want to. And that's why working again with somebody like myself is an important thing. And another thing to this 26-year-old or this 30-year-old in my example, Mm -hmm. he was about to set himself up on uh, life policy with another guy. And all I had to do was just go through it and read the contract with him and ask him if that's what he wanted to do. Do you want to pay premiums to age 85? No. I don't. Well, you have to. It says it right here. I don't want to do that. Do you want to pay an eight percent loan cost on your money? No, I don't want to do that. Well, that's the loan cost at a, at current interest rates, and uh, Fed just held them at a zero to quarter uh, interest rate banding. So, where do you think that loan cost is going to be when interest rates are back up where they need to be, one percent to one and a half? I mean, just this is the type of stuff that's not talked about. That it's not the sexy stuff. But if you don't know this stuff and you don't get this stuff explained to you from somebody who doesn't is not frothing at the mouth for your business like I'm not, I will just give you the keys to the Sadies and if you wanna take it for a ride, you can. If not, there's plenty of other people that wanna do that. And I have I have a ton of clients that wanna do it. But you just need to know these the the good, the bad and the ugly about the plan before you get into it. So that individual ended up doing those plans and all of that money minus a small portion is completely liquid to him. He's still using the majority of his money for real estate. It's just in a couple of years, he's going to stop having to go to PNC and ask them for loans or credit lines, and he's going to become his own bank. That's what he's decided to do. He's decided to take the initiative to capitalize himself, become his own banker so he can deploy his own cash. Without needing to get an approval, without having to worry about being over leveraged, without having to worry about what's my cre- what happens if I get my credit pulled twelve times in a year? All that stuff just goes away. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the benefit of becoming your own bank. And if you don't think that's what the wealthy are doing, you're you're completely outside of the loop of the no. Because the wealthy in this in the United States, the top one percent they normally lend their money out to people and use that as an income source more so than just investments. Even They are a banker to smaller level investors that they're doing the dirty work. And all they want is a 60 to 80% net on that, on that deal. And they just rinse and repeat. And imagine being on a vacation on a beach somewhere and you're making $150,000 with money that's making you $150,000. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's incredible.
1: You know, I've done i I've done a lot of episodes. I've talked to a lot of people, people that have six thousand, you know, apartments and banks and whatever. It doesn't matter. But the, the more and more I keep listening, the more and more I, my ears are open. All the things that are not sexy or how you create wealth and yeah, it's, long-term it's,
2: generational wealth. Yeah,
1: it, it's the questions that you don't ask that will ruin you. It's the contracts that you don't read will bind you up. It's, it's all the things. And, and, and I use it as simple as a networking tool, right? As a private equity firm, do you know where we got most of our deals from?
2: Lawyers. Probably individual investors yeah. that you, Hey, Mr.
1: Yeah. And lawyers and, 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 yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and it's not from the investors guys, You're, you have to look at the, the avenues that are less traveled and, if you don't think, and, and let's just be, and he's 100% right. If you don't think that people who have a ass load of money are out doing flips, you are smoking something. They are lending yeah. their money out, getting their 10% return, sitting on a beach in Croatia.
2: Yep, on their yacht, waiting for F1 to start up again so they can watch it from their decks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and it's, it seems, like you're saying, the reason it's not sexy is generally when things are super sexy, it's so they can be sold. Mm-hmm. When, mm. things, when things are like true and, and great, I mean, oak trees are ugly ass trees, man. They're not a beautiful tree. But the reason they last for hundreds of years is because they establish themselves and they don't do anything more than they know what to do. They're not the sexiest tree. They're not a pepper tree or, or a morning glory oak. But all those trees have issues with diseases and stuff. So that's why we can't plant them around my house. We have oaks. We have, we have oaks in my, my backyard.
1: Dude, so you just, have to just brought the hammer, dude. They're only yeah. sexy because they're getting sold. I mean, I can't get past it. That's so good.
2: Yeah. You, I mean, the reason that things have to be shined up and, and they have to sound better than they are. There's an old, old, old saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. hmm because you have common sense built into you. It's innate. It's in your DNA from the time you're born. You have some level of common sense, especially if you're listening watching a podcast, trying to better yourself. If you're on this, I'm going to assume everybody has a decent level of common sense. If something seems too good to be true, it's just too true. If it can't be backed by a contract, somebody can't put it on paper, if they can't quantify it with data, it's probably just not true. So again, the stuff in life, like you were saying, that maybe not be the sexiest. Maybe it takes a little bit longer to to turn a profit on those are the things that the people with deeper pockets are doing when that's what they're using their money with because that's how you create long-term generational wealth you have to always remember guys if it was easy everybody would be doing it
1: and all we're trying to do on these platforms podcast Ryan's Wednesday podcast of Maddie A is we're just trying to open the possibility of options and doors and that doesn't mean that you have to work with me it doesn't mean you have to work with Ryan it doesn't mean you have to work with Maddie A it doesn't matter we don't care guys mm-hmm. we're just merely providing value and allowing and what what is interesting to me is like 90% of the time i have no idea what you're talking about like literally i don't even know what you're saying like you're just using words <laughs> about money transaction and stuff but but it is but it is there is something to be said to be in those rooms, right? And you and you definitely pick up little things and stuff like that. And so what I'm trying to get across to you is hanging out, and it's not a bad thing. You can hang out with Bob and Frank all day long that maybe they only do single family flips and that's great. And maybe that's what you wanna do the rest of your life, like tear it up, man, I don't care. But it wasn't until I started getting around bankers and multifamily investors who are buying thousand units at a time that my Ooh. entire world shifted. And it's just one of those things where, like, if you have a sweet spot and you can do it, don't jump to the next thing because it's the sexy thing to do if you're making the profit margins. Like, just sit there and continue to hit the bullseye over and over and over again. And that's all you're looking for.
2: Yeah. Coaches in baseball take single and double hitters over home run hitters every day. Mm
1: -hmm. Consistency
2: is key. It allows that compounding growth and that's and that's what we're and that's
1: so we're lo- you're looking as an investor in your mindset and then your your business to set up a team to execute you on the evaluation to be financially free it, it takes yes. a team guys
2: and and, that's and it takes why- time as well it's the biggest fallacy that i've heard and it's a popular one You got to be careful on hyping yourself up to do things too quickly. Uh, When I was a kid, I used to think I was the shit because I could run up and down stairs. I was taller and I would do like two to three steps at a time. And so I'll be like, top of the stairs, I'm the fastest whatever." But I will tell you what, folks, when I misfootedly missed and I got a cock shot because of that, it hurt like hell and it always hurts more when you take a fall when you're skipping steps than it does if you just go one step at a time and consistently move up so that that's the biggest mistake i see with real estate investors they're they're 6 months into the game they've done three flips so they've made more money than they've ever made in their entire life they finally have the time freedom and they have no idea how to stomach it they yeah they think that now I'm I'm invincible. I'm gonna go and just boom, boom, boom. No, no, no. Things are gonna take time. You're not gonna retire in six years. You're not gonna get you're not gonna be cash flow on 13, 14 grand. Things like the coronavirus are gonna come around. Uh, legislation that's gonna be changed in the future, like what Joe Biden's talking about, uh, getting rid of the 1031 exchange provisions for real estate investors. There's all sorts of stuff that is looming. That will screw your day up. So, going back to what we were talking about 10 plus minutes ago, diversification is the key to having long term wealth. I don't know any one ultra wealthy person that has all their money in one thing, but I do know that they all have sticky fingers because they have it in a lot of things businesses, restaurants, real estate, traditional investments, non traditional investments, lending money, buying non performing notes from banks. They're they're making their money work for them in multiple avenues. So that when one or two or three of those avenues aren't performing, they have so many more that they just continue to build their wealth. So diversification, if that if that could be the that could be the key word for this little mm-hmm. uh, get together here, diversify yourself mm-hmm. from your network to your net worth to your investments. Diversify all of that, and you'd be super surprised at the long term returns you'll get from your personal life. And in my opinion and your investments long-term you'll just Mm -hmm. it's just going to be better it's not the sexiest thing but it's what people have done for generational wealth Mm -hmm. and so you know I didn't invent the wheel but I ride on four of them every single day when I go anywhere to get something and I got no problem doing that so that's what you guys should do as well
1: no beautiful and so I I know you can get granular and I don't want to get super granular uh, and me and you fight about this. We'll fight about this on a daily basis, but let's just give your high level overview of the financial markets. Let's just say where we are sitting. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, it's July 30th right now, guys. So just give your overview for the rest of the year, kind of what you're thinking. I, I can't let you leave without getting your opinions.
2: So at this point, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of just overhearing the, you know, we're in a bubble, we're in this, and the problem is you hear this from all these analysts that, you know, that I run this hedge fund, and I run this hedge fund, and I run this hedge fund, and no, the market has to go down. Guys, let me just tell you what the heck's going on. That's called somebody talking their book. They, They didn't bet on the market like we did and we've made 30 plus percent returns for our clients because of that. They were bears, they're upset because they missed out on the market uptick, and in order for their book to make a return so that their hedge fund doesn't look bad, so they don't close and lose all customers to my hedge fund, they have to, they have to go on there and sell that this is not trying to happen and scare people. So that's what's going on with, with market news right now, and it's just not true. Um, Shorts and bears keep trying to knock the market down. It doesn't work. I'm watching the market open up, down one and a quarter percent a day. It's now recovered to where it's down only 75 bits, 0.75%. And every single day, what ends up happening is, or over the long term of the week, we recover all those losses, then make it back, and then some. And, that's going, and eventually, that's going to start happening to where there's so much money starting to come off the sidelines and go back into the market. That story that's been talked about, that's just BS because people are are, are upset because, mark my words, 100 years from now, in 2,120, they're going to be talking about the stock market of 2020, just like we talk about Black Monday back in the 1920s still today. This market will be studied for hundreds of years. because It should not have happened. But if you had a set rule of principles and you – took emotion out of investing like we do with our clients not only will you be net positive but you'll have a crap load of money like we do for our clients and you just have to you have to not follow what the media pushes not get scared not be emotional with your money and that's ultimately the long-term strategy so we see a very strong market we see we're in a transitional bullish scene which means we're We're getting ready to be fully allocated like we were back in 2019. And we foresee a strong um, next 10 years, uh, as do a lot of serious investment advisors and analysts. The ones that you're hearing on TV generally are on there because a lot of people don't like the current administration. And statistically, a bad market will will not be good for the current president, and that's really a lot of what's going on right now. I'm not going to touch on coronavirus because that's a different topic for a different day. You yeah. can turn into my podcast if you yeah, want. Yeah, I don't, I don't before. have
1: the, I don't have the stomach for it. So. Uh, uh. But that,
2: that's the, the market is healthy, and if you can afford to be a long-term investor, you should put your money into the market because if you don't, your 2020 hindsight will be kicking you in the rear.
1: And and I I want to drill down on something there because it's super important because. Like I've never met anybody that is so unemotional about business transactions and real and deals. Like you, you take full emotion out of it. How do you do that? Like because that's the number one thing that real estate investors don't do.
2: Um, Money is an inanimate object. So I can love money, but money will never love me back. I can hate money, and money will never hate me back. You have to apply rationale when you think about things like this glass. I could be mad that this glass chips and throw it and break it, but the glass is never going to feel anything. So I can't be emotional about something that can't react or or interact with me in the same way. So that's a waste of my time. Um, The other thing is I understand how money works. And a lot of real estate investors, even though they're very good at making money, don't understand how money works. So I'll give you all an example that you do understand. In 2008, if you owned a home, the value of your home went down. And in 2008, if you owned investments, the value of your investments went down. But I will ask you something. In the home you were staying in, did the paint start chipping off the walls? Did cockroaches crawl out of the, do- of the sockets? Did the door stop work? No, the house works exactly the same as when you bought it. It's just valued less. Its intrinsic value is less to the market because it's out of favor. Same with your investments. But you realize you still own the same quantity of the investment. So probably the thing that you would do in 2008 if you were a smart real estate investor and you had cash on the side, you'd have got your ass in the market and bought some real estate. You would have made a lot of money by doing so. Well, guess what? That's the same answer for the other side of the street as well. You would want to buy more stocks when the market is down because historically since 1802, the number one return on your dollar is the stock market. The number two is real estate. And number three is the bond market. So why wouldn't you have all three of those things working for you long-term? So that, that's a big fallacy with real estate investors. They see red and they get upset because they're emotional. And then they want to sell their investment off and realize that loss. There's a very, very specific reason there is no live index on a day-to-day basis that tracks home value.
1: This is the greatest greatest thing you've ever said when I heard this in Austin. Yeah,
2: yeah, because the real estate, because realtors would make a whole hell of a lot of money on their commission because they would sell a lot more properties. And people would be finicky and start selling their property because the value went down. Who cares? You're long-term with it. The, the funniest thing that I think is people will take 30% returns for 10 years in a row and see a minus five and the Oh, I got to get out. I got to get, I can't take one. I can't take four months of a, of a, of a down market, but I can take, I can take 50 months of an up market. It's just smell the coffee folks. It's not hard to think about when you take it outside of the six inches in between your ears and put it in the air. If you're going to be able to be a long-term investor, especially in qualified accounts, you can't touch the damn money till you're 60 anyway. Who cares if it's down when you're 27? My account was down 72%. You know what I did? I put a $43,000 deposit in my account. I've made a ton of money because of that. There, you have to be unemotional with your money when it comes to real estate, when it comes to traditional investing, and you have to have a plan and a process And you have to follow that with freaking blinders on. Some of the fastest horses on a horse track are the ones that need the damn blinders. Because as long as they can keep their head moving forward and not get distracted by the other jockeys or anything else going on around them, they are going to be the one you want to put your money on because they're probably going to be one of the fastest horses on the track. Put your damn blinders on. Stop getting distracted by the noise from other people who don't know what you're doing, who are jealous about your success. Who want your success and so they're going to try to talk you down so you can slow down so they can catch up ignore all that set your plan set your process follow through do not get thrown off because you see red in your long-term investment account I mean seriously guys it's, it's the most you have you just it's because there's there's lack of financial education but you just have to know that you have to take risks in everything in order to get reward long-term. So that, that's the biggest, that's the main reason that I'm not emotional is because I decided that uh, I actually was playing baseball. I used to be very emotional. I was playing baseball. I was at Sonoma state. I was pitching. I remember I had a double hit off me and I took my hand off and I slammed it on my knee. And my coach called timeout and he walked out to me. My coach, Rob Lindsay, who's my summer ball coach. And he said, isn't it a beautiful day? And I said, what? He said, what did that hat do to you? <laughs> I said, nothing. He said, then why are you hitting it on your knee? <sighs> if you show your emotion, especially to your competitor in that situation, you've immediately lost. So why don't we take that emotion and let's take that energy and let's redirect it to something proactive. We have a brand new batter. Why don't you strike him out? Every batter is a new batter. Every pitch is a new pitch. Every day in your working world is a new day. And if you're an entrepreneur and if you're like me, you you better wake up with this mindset. I'm a hunter. I need to kill so I can eat today. How can I also feed my family and friends so that when I'm down and out, they're looking to feed me? So these these are the mindsets of the successful people that I put myself around. And that's, again, why I'm not emotional with any of my investments. It's not appropriate. I doesn't the only thing I'm emotional with is my wife, and that's because that's appropriate. I'm not emotional with my investments because that's an inappropriate way to think about your money. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your money that way, don't call me yet. When you're ready to take the big boy steps to 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 move to the next level, to do what it takes to make your money work hard for you, not be emotional be an investor. Be a long-term thinker. Those are the type of people that I work with and the type of people we make millionaires.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, beautifully said. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that, I think that if you remove your ego from it and you position the people in your, in your world to do the things that they do best, I think that you can create financial freedom. Uh, but more importantly, I think that you can understand that you're you're taken care of right and the only reason that i want to make a lot of money is to give it away (laughs) because i'm just that type of person i mean it's just who i am right but it takes all these things working in conjunction to create the wealth that i want right that other people want it's not just done from one vehicle and it wasn't until i was made this understood in in my world that, that it changed my life and it allowed you to look at it from a different point of view because I was massively emotional um, about real estate and it doesn't get anything done because every deal is the best deal of your life and every next deal
2: is the better deal. Yep, that's that's 100% true. It's, uh, it's weird, but when you're an entrepreneur, you have to have that golf mentality. You know, you're going to have a bunch of shitty swings and hits, but you just need one good one to line yourself up for another 18- Mm-hmm. So that's the same idea with, your, with real estate or any other – well, mainly real estate because there's such a swath of deals available. You're going to have a lot of dogs, but you're going to have a lot of winners as well. And So when you win, you just need to make sure that your wins are big wins so you can parlay those into other, other wins. But everybody loses. The biggest winners are the biggest losers. They've learned how to lose with dignity and grace and parlay that energy into another win. The biggest winners are the biggest losers. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just the facts of how it is. Nobody catches W's all day. Just nobody does. And I I mean, Austin heard me catch one of the biggest L's I've ever caught in my career. It was like a $300,000 commission on a deal. Mm -hmm. You want to know what my reaction was? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. I mean, it can ruin my day or I can go hang out with Austin, check out the hotel that Matt had just picked up and then go have a, have a good time at the cabin. That's exactly what we did.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I guys, I was there. He did lose a $300,000 commission. He was like, all right, well, let's go hang out. <laughs> and yeah. me and Jack looked at each other. We're like, do what? Uh, but, but because he operates in that level, he's going to get another one of those coming his way. And, and, and oh, there's there that, many in so.
2: between then.
1: Yeah, it and is. for sure. And I think that's what's so exciting. And um, so, how do they get, uh, how do they listen to the podcast? How do they get a hold of you if they want to reach you?
2: So, if you want to get, uh, listen to uh, the podcast, I'm, a, I'm on every Wednesday on the Millionaire Mindcast. We're on any platform you could ever think of Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You could type in my name, Ryan Breedwell. You could type Matt Aitchison. Uh, you could type in Millionaire Mindcast. Not mind set, mind cast. Go so map for that marketing little ploy there. You can get me at my handle on my Instagram, which is where most people end up getting in contact with me. It's at R Breedwell, just like it sounds. B R E E D W E L L. Uh-uh. Sorry, the boys are gonna start barking. There's a there's a truck outside. Or you can email me at Ryan Breedwell at Capital. Capital is spelled with an O planninggroup.com i'd be happy to set up a free consultation for you guys do a free portfolio x-ray for you get some talking about infinite banking but all no cost no obligation so whenever you guys are ready to take the next step i'm ready to take it with you
1: i love it my man uh it's did i appreciate it so much so much high level stuff guys uh, like i said he doesn't you know, you just reach out and get your options. I do not even matter about the business stuff, but uh, yeah. there's so much in the podcast. So make sure you check that out. Thank everybody for listening. Make sure you share with your friends and, and we really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, guys.
2: Awesome.